Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Arich Nood. On today's Women on the Line, we talk unis, we talk about universities. We hear from Karen Jackson, Director of Mundani Balak Indigenous Academic Unit at Victoria University, and Betty Belay, the National Ethnocultural Officer at the National Union of Students. Both wonderful women with the task of making university spaces safer for Indigenous and culturally diverse students, respectively. There is no denying that when you're racialised in Australia, you quite often experience racism. Whether that's structural, whether in the form of a microaggression, a macroaggression, or whatever it may be, when this racism is institutional, it is always difficult to confront. So when a student of colour, both Indigenous and otherwise, experience racism at university, whether in the course content, in the library books, in class, or just on campus, it is a daunting task to speak up against the system. And this is where both Karen and Betty come in. In their roles, they both support students and campaign on their behalf to ultimately ensure a safe space for all university students. We first hear from Karen and what her role as Director of Mundani Bullock Indigenous Academic Unit at Victoria University entails. So the role is to um, manage, I guess, everything that's got to do with blackfellas, um, Aboriginal people in the university, from student support, um, student enrolment, um, research, teaching and learning and community engagement, um, which sort of doesn't sound like much, but it's a, you know, a fair amount of stuff, I it guess. It sounds like a lot. And, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like quite a lot, actually. <laughs> oh. So I kind of just want to get right into the nitty-gritty. How do right. Indigenous students experience university in Australia? Of course, it's different for different students at different universities. The space at universities for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander students is, I guess, um, dependent on their sort of family history and who's been in that space before and what sort of knowledge they have of that space. And we find you know, a lot of Aboriginal students are first in family to come to university. Um, though that is changing, given the amount of Aboriginal people that are coming through and graduating. But uh, it's still a white space and it's still a space where Aboriginal people and black people can be unsafe. Um, you know, and that's, that's what what we do as Aboriginal units to try and make the whole of the university safe for Aboriginal people, people of colour and Torres Strait Islanders. And what kind of, what kind of things do you do to ensure that space is safe? Of course, a lot of that isn't within your control, right? Because um, it's based on other students and other subjects that they do. But what can you do to, to make that? And what do you do to make that space safer? Um, so we do a number of things at different levels. We sort of have a university-wide um, Indigenous strategy that helps um, senior management push Indigenous issues back down through the structures of the university. We have Aboriginal-specific units that Aboriginal lecturers teach um, and we try to make those core units and we're trying to spread that across all of the 
colleges within the university. That's a long, slow process, but we've got some really good units that impact on all students plus Aboriginal students and also um, impact on staff in other colleges so we can have those sorts of conversations. Um, and then we create a physical space, a physically safe cultural space for Aboriginal students um, at as many campuses as we can, which is really tricky at VU because there's campuses all over the place. Um, and then we engage with the community in the western suburbs where the university is located to um, make them feel safe about actually coming into the university. Um, yeah, and, and then we do cultural awareness training for all staff in the university as well. Yeah, so the safe spaces aren't just about a location, it's about the whole environment. Yeah, and we try to also work with the student union about what, what sort of things they do with, with students who are part of the student union. You only have small wins along the way and you do small things that you hope make an, um, a long-term impact across all of the areas of the university with the staff, with the senior leaders, with the vice-chancellor and with all of the student cohorts. So I know that there was that big row at UNSW and the public went that outcry about um, the change to the curriculum. The curriculum rejected the false idea of terra nullius, which was um, something that should have happened quite a long time ago. How do these changes happen? Yeah, I mean, they're really hard spaces to actually move into and, and make those changes. I mean, one of the ways that some universities do it, um, which we haven't quite got to yet, but we're working towards that, is to have a graduate attribute that talks about um, all students need to have a knowledge of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues and an, and an understanding of those. Um, so we've got this one that's a bit fluffy around, you know, being a global citizen and um, understanding difference and diversity. Um, yeah, so they're the sorts of ways that some universities um, attack that sort of notion about what's in the curriculum. The other ways that do that work that work really well is having professional bodies say you must, your students must come out with this as part of their professional um, qualification. So um, teaching the Bachelor of Education courses have these um, standards for teachers and there's a couple of standards in there that talk specifically about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander curriculum and what students what student teachers need to know as they graduate. Um, nursing, the nursing board also has that sort of um, requirement in their standards of what students need to have. Um, of course, and then saying that once you actually do make changes to curriculum, you've then got to wade through the um, backlash from mm. privileged students who go, well, oh, I don't need to learn that stuff. You know, I'm never going to, you know, be in a space where I teach Aboriginal children or I'm a nurse where there's Aboriginal pe um, people coming in. And so we have to combat that sort of... Um, challenge from those white students yeah. in those classes as well. So it's a, it's a long process, but it can be done and um, it's worthy to be done, And but you've always got to be pushing that, that space. You've always got to be pushing students, but also pushing the staff who are teaching in those, those courses that go, well, we're not too sure about that either. Yeah. I study journalism um, and we definitely don't have that and we definitely need that <laughs> unless you take like an Indigenous studies unit or whatever. Outside of that as an elective, there is nothing and, um, That's right. that forces that. If you're going to be a journalist in Australia, that should be the first thing that you learn. Important yeah, it makes it. a huge difference. Totally. And so, I mean, same here at um, Victoria Uni, we've, we've added in majors and minors in a number of courses, but 
you know, as you said, that, that those sorts of things are electives. Um, where we get the most impact is where we, um, you know, make friends with people who are um, reviewing their courses and go, you should really have a core unit about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in your course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we actually get a core unit in and that makes a big difference. Um, so we're currently having conversations with our College of Business mm-hmm. about trying to get a core unit in their, you know, Bachelor of Business course, which would, you know, be amazing if we did that. But, um, yeah, so we're still working on that sort of stuff. So hopefully we'll get there. But, yes. And hopefully it gets across all sorts of other universities and all sorts of courses. But, yeah, that, yeah, that professional standards does make a difference. Women's on a line. <laughs> Women on the line. Women on the line. (laughs) Well, you know, every university has their policies and processes for how to make, how students um, can make complaints or or grievances. But it is extremely um, tricky and it's um, a bit of a knife edge that a a student puts themselves on in that space. Um, We always say... To our students who use our space, um, you come and tell us, and we, as the staff members, will go and have a conversation with that academic staff member, um, and try to work through those sorts of issues in that way, and then also try to do work with that staff member in helping them understand about what it is that they're teaching and what's right about what they're teaching and what's wrong about what they're teaching. The other thing that's really hard to do in that space is to um, not have an academic staff member who then knows that they've got an Aboriginal student in their class to then turn around and make them talk about everything that's Aboriginal. Because yeah. um, that puts so much added pressure on the student and that's just the wrong thing to do. Um, so we're also trying to have conversations with those sorts of academics and say, well, okay, um, how about in maybe the first two weeks, first two sets of your lectures, um, you have an Aboriginal staff member come in, an academic staff member, and actually take those units and talk about Aboriginal issues in the right way. Um, we, we, we get some good responses to that sort of request as well, but sometimes people just go, well, you know, you're not going to come in and teach my class and that sort mm. of stuff. So it's, it's a never-ending battle from all sides. Um, and I always say to students, um, make sure that you're safe. If you, if you feel unsafe to actually raise your voice in a class, then don't do it. Come and talk to us and we'll do it on your behalf without naming you, which is important as well. Mm-hmm. Those sort of staff who go, oh, well, you know, um, I was just doing the right thing because my knowledge is not good enough and so um, I really shouldn't be teaching it. And then we go, well, hello, <laughs> you come and talk to us. Um, and we will help that. you learn what it is you need to teach. And if you're not comfortable with it, then we'll put somebody in in your space, you know. Absolutely. It's okay. You'll still have your hours. You won't lose your teaching money, blah, blah, blah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it just spins you out every time you sort of go, how silly are you? Totally. You know, if you're not qualified. But it's one of those <laughs> things that's like if you're not qualified to be teaching algebra at an engineering level, they mm. wouldn't put you in that class. They wouldn't, you know, pay you to be a tutor in that class. So why is it that it's appropriate within, you know, those kind of subjects? Exactly. And same as though, so when I was talking about the um, cultural awareness training for, for staff, it's an online package that, that we developed with our people and culture department. And we, we were really fearful that academics would actually do that training and then go, oh, well, 
I can teach Aboriginal studies now. <laughs> and we sort of went, oh, my God, please don't let that happen. So we've put um, lots of sort of roadblocks up that say um, this is not to be used for teaching. You can't actually... So we can't. they can't actually copy... You're listening to a conversation with Karen Jackson, Director of Mundani Balak Indigenous Academic Unit at Victoria University on Women on the Line. You can't have um, non-Aboriginal staff teaching about Aboriginal people. You just can't have it. It's just wrong. Um, and there's so many places that still do it. Um, and we've... I mean, we employ some sessional staff who are non-Aboriginal to teach in our units, but they're not... They don't coordinate it and we only employ them as a once-off until we find somebody else, an Aboriginal person, who we train up to take that space. Um, And it's just so important for Aboriginal students to see Aboriginal people um, as role models and mentors in that sort of space and teaching our truth and our stories in a way that reflects, um, you know, the, the... the things that we spoke about earlier about the live terrenalis and, and the and the impact of um, privilege and whiteness um, and in the systems of this, you know, Western dominant space that we're, we're trying to push back against all the time. Um, and if you don't have a black person teaching that sort of information, then never, never the right thing to do. And that's why it's really important um, because the strength of Aboriginal studies is in the story and the voice of Aboriginal people. Um, and unfortunately, the other thing that does happen in that space is that um, a lot of the white privileged students um, don't believe what they've what they're being told in the classrooms, and um, actually quite often will challenge um, Aboriginal academics about the truth of their own stories. And you sort of go, I can't believe that you, you're actually questioning the story of an Aboriginal person who's telling you their life story, and you actually question it. Um, but that still does happen in this space. So we have a long, 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 long way to go in terms of, you know, changing the mindset of people. But we do it step by step and student by student, I guess. That was Karen Jackson, Director of Mundani Balak Indigenous Academic Unit at Victoria University, ending on why it's important that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are teaching their histories at university as opposed to white lecturers and tutors who seem to be taking up a lot of space. Now we hear from Betty Belay, the National Ethnocultural Officer at the National Union of Students. We hear about her role of keeping universities safe for culturally diverse students, and she starts off by explaining a bit about the National Union of Students and her department. So the National Union of Students is a peak representative body for all tertiary students across Australia. So um, within our structure, we obviously have a president, an education officer, a welfare officer, but we also have a women's officer, we also have queer officers, um, we have an uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rep, and we have an ethnocultural student rep, as well as international student rep, um, and that kind of stuff. So um, we represent sectors of, like, parts of students in society um, that are traditionally marginalised as well as like running broad campaigns about education and student welfare. Um, and part of my role is to run campaigns relating to culturally and linguistically diverse students. So that's typically anti-racism campaigns, campaigns about um, services that need to improve specifically for culturally and linguistically diverse students and students of colour in particular. So you've got a conference coming up. Um, yes. On the twenty first in Melbourne at Uni Melb, and yes. what what is the conference? What is the purpose of the conference? Is it the first one? It is right. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, so so it's the first one. It happens at a student level in the country. Um, so I've been around in kind of like student activist spaces for a really long time. Um, and obviously race is a really big issue for me. I come from an African background um, and it's just I'm constantly surrounded by people of colour. And I found that in activist spaces um, where you did find people of colour, there were few and far in between. Um, and there wasn't really an opportunity for there to be um, a kind of organising space or a space to talk about issues and bounce ideas off each other um, and, you know, talk about how to run campaigns or what kind of campaigns need to be run in order to address issues of students of colour on campus. So um, I, I've been to other, like, student women's conferences, I've been to student queer conferences, but I, um, I just found that it was really lacking when I wanted to talk about, like, issues that I, like, I thought about racism on campus um, all at the one time with other people that wanted to see that change as well. So um, I thought that in my role, I was really lucky to be elected um, the Ethnocultural Officer of the National Union of Students. So I thought that in my role, it would be the perfect platform to be able to run the first conference in the entire country. So you did mention race and racism, right? So from my personal experience um, as being African-Australian, being from Eritrea and being visibly racialised, being a woman and being at university, racism is something that we experience all the time in class and outside of class. Can you explore some of the things that people, like people of colour or folks who are racialised, go through at university? Um, I think that a lot of people in wider society have forgotten just how much overt racism there still is. There are all these issues in terms of structural racism um, and the way that it affects communities of colour. But I think that a lot of people have forgotten, like, this overt racism still exists. Um, I come from La Trobe University um, and about a month ago... um, a video was put up online of a white man, a man who appeared white, um, just yelling um, in our science building at a person of colour who was Muslim um, about being in Australia um, and yelling at him for being Muslim and telling him him to go back to where he came from, which is absolutely disgusting. Um, This person was born in this country, did not deserve any of this, actually did nothing to... um, provoke this person into into saying these things. Not that provocation is an excuse at all for the things that were coming out of his mouth. It just comes... It, overt racism has not disappeared from our campuses. It's not even talking about the structural racism that we see within our literature and our course content um, that comes through. There's just so many things that people um, are completely oblivious to that just feeds into um, prejudice and um, racist cultures that um, turns up on our campuses. Um, and that needs to be addressed. And I think that um, this conference will be a really good space to give people the tools to go out and run these campaigns and talk about these issues with their universities um, once they get back to their universities. You know when at the end of the unit you fill in a form, and I always fill in my form about recommendations about how to change the course and, you know, what I thought was great and what I thought was terrible. Do those Mm. things work? Because I put a lot of time and effort in that because I don't know any other mechanisms to get my voice across. So as well as that, firstly, does that work? And secondly, what other ways can people engage and, and have their voices heard when it comes to the content that they learn at uni? 
So subjects evaluation forms, I think, are incredibly important. Um, I think there needs to be a very clear distinction between teacher evaluation and subject evaluation. Um, I believe that you should be analysing the course content, not the teacher that is um, giving you a lecture or tutorial or anything like that. But yes, I think they do work, but I think they work concurrently with campaigns and with advocacy at a university level as well. So they need to be activists on campus because um, the university are not just going to look at one source of, um, of criticism or one source of critique to try and improve um, their systems. And it often it often does require that backup of you know have really really inspiring student reps, especially like a diverse range of student representatives that you put on your boards and committees. Um, in your university um, governance structure um, that can actually speak about these issues. I, I at my university last year, um, worked with my university to talk to them about special consideration policy, for example, um, because they just didn't think that specifically excluding cultural and religious practices from their specific special consideration policy um, was okay because apparently cultural and religious practices only um, apply to things that you think are head off rather than stuff that happens in your life that cannot be foreseen, like a death in the family in my culture. Um, will mean that, you know, there's a mourning period and that's a lot of time that you need to spend with your family and that can affect your studies. And that was specifically excluded at my university until I brought that up with them and explained to them that there are cultural practices that happen with this kind of stuff too. So it is about having a diverse range of student reps involved in the governance structure as well. Um, is to actually bring those point of views and those experiences to the table so the university have a broader understanding of what are traditionally marginalised groups in their, their um, student community and the barriers that they face to succeeding at university. You're listening to a chat with Betty Belay, the National Ethno-Cultural Officer at the National Union of Students on Women on the Line. What advice could you give to students who feel kind of confronted by engaging with university because it's a massive institution and it's kind of like all yeah. navigating that space is kind of confusing. What advice would you give to students who are like, I want to complain about something or I have a suggestion or I want to join something? Where do they go? How yeah. do they do it? I am a very, very, very big advocate for student organisations. Um, I found my voice in student organisations. Um, I got involved in my union when my university was cutting a whole bunch of subjects that I wanted to was to study in my second year of uni. Um, and that's where I found my voice for advocacy. And that, obviously, it's not for everyone to be up there, um, you know, sitting on boards and committees, being, feeling really intimidated by people that earn, like, what, what you do in a year in a week. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's about engaging with those student organisations that have the capacity um, to go out and run these kind of advocacy-based campaigns. So um, get involved in a collective at your university. Um, get involved in a department within your university student organisation. Get involved in a club. Like, there are so, so many ways that you can engage in advocacy without having to be the person in the room that is negotiating with your university. And student organisations really, really, really care about student input and they really care about what the broader, um, broader student community wants to do um, and wants to improve at the, um, at the university campus. So get engaged there. Um, it, the people that lead student organisations are other students as well. So they're much more approachable than university, but they can help you there. So now to the conference itself. So there's the conference is on the 21st of July, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the conference. Tell me about the workshops. Tell me about what people can learn and what they will gain, how to access tickets, how to get involved, all of the information. 
the workshops are predominantly going to be student-run. So um, a couple of uh, students around the country are submitting their own workshops about issues that they really want to talk about, take charge of, and try to lead the conversation about what needs to happen on a national level or on a state level to try and address those issues there. Um, but there's also going to be um, more broadly stuff going on. Um, I'm really keen to start a campaign and see how people feel about starting a campaign relating to language services for um, migrant, refugee and international students um, when it comes to uh, university uh, mis like academic misconduct or academic probation or anything like that. So I think it's a really important thing to address there. Um, there's going to be quite a few things happening. This is the first time that it, um, it is happening. Sorry, this is the first time that active, like people of colour activists, especially around the country, are going to be able to get together at a student level to discuss like these issues and network to bounce ideas off each other. So um, it's it's a really important conference for actually building the foundation of a stronger people of colour activist movement. Um, so if we have a try booking form that is online. So it's about it's thirty dollars to go to the conference if you are an enrolled student. Um, it's fifty dollars if you want to just come and observe and you're not a student um, at a university campus in Australia. Um, it is happening at Melbourne Uni. Um, it's um, it's going to be really fun. I'm I'm really excited because um, hopefully we're going to get the multicultural youth advocacy network on board with the um, with the conference. Um, they seem quite interested in the stuff that we're doing um, in the US um, around these um, around issues of students of colour on campus. But yeah, um, there's a tribe form. We've got a Facebook event that's up. Um, just type in ethnocultural student conference um, and it'll come up. Awesome, yeah, and I'll put all the links and things like that on the program page, so that'll be Definitely. all good, yeah. So we meant you mentioned earlier that there's also another conference right after yours at Melbourne University um, yeah. with the People of Colour group there. What information do you have about that? Um, so there are a couple of really cool activists at the University of Melbourne Student Union. Um, so obviously my conference is an ethnocultural student conference, so that's a little bit more broad, so that encompasses culturally and linguistically diverse students. So basically anyone that identifies with that. Um, but the University of Melbourne Student Union will be hosting a People of Colour conference for students. So what that will mean is that, um, and specifically for students of colour, it's more relevant for issues that students of colour face um, and hopefully will also be a good organising space um, for um, student activists across the country to engage on that level as well. If you want to check out the Ethnocultural Student Conference or the Students of Colour Conference or even any general information about the National Union of Students and the work Betty does, jump on our website 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline for all the links. Also, if you want to have a look at the amazing programs run by Mundani Bullock Indigenous Academic Unit at Victoria University, you can find links to their website on the program page too. I would like to give a big, big thank you to both our guests today for their time, but also for actively resisting spaces that can be quite suffocating for a lot of people. It's important work that Women on the Line is fortunate enough to give a bit of platform to. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Cone Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation, we welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline. 
The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature song for today's episode is Clap For Me by the excellent Perth-based High Class. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm Arij Noor and I hope you can tune in again next time. Yeah, I want to see you vibe with me. Uh, yeah, you got to clap along for me. Feel this moment with me and just ride with me. 